0: Oh, sorry. I didn't see the countdown. Uh, Hi, everybody. Welcome to Untangling Circularity with myself, Cynthia Power, and Laura Novich. Laura Novich. Um, (laughs) We address unanswered questions and areas of opportunity within the fashion circular economy. we both, you know, me and Laura are experienced sustainability and circularity professionals, and we have identified topics that we still want more clarity on, or, or questions we're still looking for answers on. So, this is our podcast to talk about that. And today, we're we're bringing a, a new a new way to do it. We are going to each bring a topic for a conversation, just between the two of us. We have not prepared. I like surprises, so I don't know what Laura's going to talk about. Laura does not like surprises, so I've given her a little information of what I'm going to talk about. But other than that, you are hearing an unplanned conversation between two really amazing professionals. So Laura, why don't you start?
1: I do. I hate surprises. I I absolutely hate surprises. even like if it's my birthday and you're getting me a present, I need you to tell me exactly what it is. I have to know. <laughs> <laughs> no surprises. <Okay>. So, <laughs> yeah, occasional like a little bit of surprise might be okay, but not like a full surprise. Um,
0: All right, I'll, I'll test. I'll test you and see where <laughs> where we get to that bar where you stop yeah. it. Okay, <laughs> where
1: i like really angry. So today, what I wanted to talk about is. Um, I'm working on a textile repair research project with the um, New York State Pollution Prevention Institute. And what we're doing is basically trying to better understand textile repair in New York City. And so the goal of the research is to break down the complexity of New York City's textile reuse and repair systems into a digestible comprehensive format where we're highlighting the voids and pinpointing opportunities for partnerships to develop between different entities. And so the way that we're carrying out some of the research is by conducting interviews with different repair stakeholders, people that are in some way involved in repair in New York City with, with textiles, from small businesses to service providers to community organizers and different community groups or actual you know, skilled repairers, anyone, right? We have all, a bunch of different perspectives and that's kind of what we're, we're looking for. And so, what I wanted to talk about was something that I noticed in some of these interviews so far that stuck out with me that I wanted to talk to you about because i'm I'm kind of curious on your perspective on this as well and your you know interpretation of it and your mm-hmm. analysis so <laughs> here's your surprise mm-hmm. um, it, one thing that that has stuck out among several of these uh conversations has been about um size and fit of clothing and so a large reason that why we donate clothes to begin with is because it doesn't fit large. us right sorry reason? Yeah, yeah, an extra large sorry. large medium that. reason <laughs> is because of sizing so right you have like a life event and your body potentially changes and clothes that you wore before it don't don't fit anymore and so you don't are both
0: it. mothers by the way Yes, a, uh, a,
1: a large life event was <laughs> the birth of my children
0: yeah <laughs>
1: Ex, an extra extra large uh, life event there <laughs> um, <laughs> pretty, those clothes definitely don't fit me anymore um, yeah. so <laughs> it, was, it was it's size and fit right so also a reason why a lot of clothes get donated to organizations when it when they're new with tags and never worn before is because people bought them and then, you know, tried them on after they bought them and realized that they didn't fit and then either missed the window to return them or didn't care to return them and rather just donate them. Right. There's a variety of reasons, but a reason of why they're donating it is because of the the size and fit. So... Mm -hmm. I think that that's a huge play in reuse <laughs> and <laughs> a huge reason of like, of, of looking at reuse in general is like the size and fit of clothing, but also yeah. an argument for more repair, um, like uh, basic sewing skills to potentially fix some of those things to fit it, because it might just be a hem of a skirt that's, you know, now your body's a little bit different, and that skirt is a little bit too short. Or you, you, you grew a few inches after you had a child, and
0: you the vertically. the skirt was the best example. <laughs> so, yes, I'm
1: yeah, to make myself feel better. So,
0: great, <laughs> great,
1: great. Um, you know, it's so just something like that, and and you know, some of those basic tailoring skills might mm-hmm. might potentially change um, a lot of waste um, that's going mm-hmm. into for textiles. It's going to different like reuse organizations. So
0: mm-hmm.
1: I'm curious what your perspective is on that and what you, what you think about that.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, I have a couple of thoughts. I think that you're right, that there's a huge opportunity for people to <clears throat> change the clothes that they have in their closet so that they use them. And I, I would kind of expand it to say, you know, I- inclusive of um, if it doesn't fit them anymore or if they don't like it or if there's something about it that, you know, it, like if they could change it so that it either fits them or it kind of fits what they, you know, some it becomes something that they like, um, yeah. right? So you could say the fit is, you know, changing it so that it accommodates your body in a better way. Um, or it could be, you know, I love this dress, but I just hate the sleeves. Well, then you take the sleeves and then maybe you wear it every day. So I I totally agree with you about that. I do. I want to talk about that. I think that quality is, plays a big part here. Uh, and you know, the higher quality, the item, uh, likely the more money you spent on it. But I, I think that quality still, you know, even if it's a, um, uh, you know, hand me down, right. If you know, it's, it's really incredible. Then you're gonna try to make it work. I'm dreaming right now about these Todd's shoes that I gave <laughs> to my colleague Karen at Recurate, and they didn't fit me anymore because I had a child and my feet got <laughs> half a size bigger. God damn it! <laughs> they were beautiful. I got them in Italy, and they were probably a few hundred dollars. They were on sale. They were the last pair because they were the biggest size and nobody <laughs> bought them except for me and my gigantic feet, which then got bigger. But mm-hmm. I gave them to her because it just, I needed to know somebody could enjoy them. So sorry. It's like, a, it's its not on the topic of alteration. Although I will say, I tried to stretch them out, you know, to make them fit and, and they didn't. Um, but that to me is like the perfect candidate of an item that is so high quality that, yep as a, as the owner of it. And in this case, like I loved them so much. I hope you can hear it in my voice. I was in love with them. <laughs> I still think about them and feel sad about them and wonder how they're doing. <laughs> um, but I, out there. I, I I think those types of, of quality items are absolutely worth any type of, uh you know, repair and alteration that you put into them and to make you, to make them feel right for your body. Yeah. So I'll, let me stop. What do you think about that?
1: Uh, absolutely yeah I think that I think also a thing that I've heard in some of these conversations is is similar to that too of also how we see fit because we're seeing visuals in like a magazine or online someplace and those clothes are altered and tailored to that model or whoever Mm. that is and so we kind of have a you know, an unrealistic expectation of what something's going to look like because no, like very rare is a garment going to fit you so perfectly that it looks like it was tailored just for your body. And so I think that that's also interesting is that it, maybe we could buy something that we love and it fits us, but it's not perfect. And that we, you're right. Like we just, we somehow make it work to look the way that we want it to look, to keep it. Mm -hmm. And continuously Mm -hmm. change it as also as like styles change of fit that Mm -hmm. maybe you can keep kind of you keep hemming that skirt and it just keeps getting higher and higher right
0: (laughs) because your legs keep getting shorter and shorter yeah you know your legs keep
1: getting shorter and mini skirts keep getting in style you
0: know they keep coming back and (laughs) so yeah (laughs) I do yeah I do I think that I think most people, myself included, have not meet do not have the same type of relationship with their with a repair person or or an alterations person or a seamstress that um, you know previous generations have had, and yeah. that's something that I I actually I walk by and drive by my local uh, a local like laundry and you know alterations place that's right around the corner from my house and when I walk by, I look in and they've got this amazing setup with, you know, their sewing machines and all their threads. And it's like, really, I feel like it's like really tricked out. And I keep asking myself, like, why haven't you just gone in there? Like you have three different things. You you have a jacket that needs a zipper replaced. You have this, you know, I can't, that's the exact, that's the specific example I can think of, but like, why haven't I done that? I can't exactly tell you why I feel like I need to, um, I need to do it, so I'm I'm giving myself that challenge. Now, Uh, and I need to kind of create a relationship with this person and like find. I mean, I think one of my hesitations is, well, what if they mess up my jacket? It's my favorite jacket, right? It's like a it's a big um, it's a big jacket and it's a it's a hefty zipper. And so I have this idea in the back of my mind where I'm like, should I go back to the brand and ask them if they'll help me to repair it? But that's going to be a lot harder than taking it around the corner. So I know there's also it makes me think about the companies that are, you know, starting that are or have started that are trying to address this, this exact thing. And I think about like Sojo in the UK, there's um, Mendit in the US, there's New in the US. Um, there are, are other companies, I think that are, you know, uh, starting and, and opening that are trying to um, both offer mass repair and alteration to everyone, as yeah. well as connect into this huge local network of uh seamstresses that exist usually in conjunction with a uh what's it called dry cleaner yeah yeah oh absolutely mm. i
1: know i used to have a personal um tailor, um my grandma <laughs> aww <laughs> really did she i'd give her a pile of clothes constantly i don't think she even used a sewing machine i think she did it all by yeah. hand yeah be like grandma you gotta gotta do this faster this isn't (laughs) i need this yesterday no i'm kidding i didn't i didn't draw her like that but
0: um what one of the things (laughs) i think is so cool about about tailoring and all curation is that it becomes more personal the item becomes yours in a different way and i wonder if part of the hesitant like the hesitation around doing that is because we're so used to just having things enter and leave our lives you know we're like oh i got that for 20 dollars, and i bought that for five dollars and we're just we just live in such a culture where it's like we buy new things every season you know we buy new things all the time that the idea of spending all of this time and money to keep something around feels just in some way like like count very counterculture i think is a big part of it and, um, but I, but I do think it's interesting that like, as you alter and mend something, it becomes more and more yours. And I was thinking about how for me, and I'm kind of a weirdo, but like, I love when one of my favorite things gets stained or ripped, I kind of get like excited. Cause I know that I'm going to get out all my fun embroidery floss colors <laughs> and I'm going to like make a fun little patch and then I'm going to make it look beautiful. And then it's going to be like super mine, like no yeah. one else. Has this shirt with this very cool patch on it, and you yeah. know I feel so proud when somebody asks me like, "Oh wow, look at your shirt!" And did you do that? And I'm like so glowingly proud. So I do think yeah. there's something about changing something and making it really yours. But in that, you're also committing to it in a very different way, right? Yeah. But, so, uh, should we keep talking about this? Was there anything else you wanted to add, or should we move on?
1: Yeah, well, I think one one note is like when you're when for when you're giving away clothes or selling them in consignment or like, you know, the online thrift stores and you're, you're giving the bags of clothing for them to sell. A lot of the times they note on there that things can't be altered or any type nope. of like home design, right? Like, like your, you know, your embroidery can't be on there. So mm-hmm. that's, you're right. It's like a really interesting point and like an intersection there because you wanna make these clothes yourself, yours and you have your personality expressed in them but that also means it's kind of permanent and because what happens if you you're really done with it for whatever reason um and some of those places won't accept them or be able to resell them or reuse them because they're they're fit for your body and mm-hmm. you know they don't quite have a settling yeah. point for somebody else so yeah um,
0: it's a great point and, and i think i think uh I had a kind of a crazy idea that like maybe in the future that can be part of digital ID. It's probably this is probably not like it's probably happening now for companies that are using digital ID, but they're probably I mean the companies using digital ID I think are very much on the forefront of mm-hmm. sustainability. So it's only a handful but it would be really cool if we got into such a common practice of digital ID and that like consumers just look for the digital ID on any product that they have. And yeah. that when you change that thing in some way, that there would be some super easy All way to it. just go in yeah. and you add, like, you know, I I altered the bust line on this and the new measurement is blah blah. Or or even just to say I altered this part of this garment. I mean, that would be so cool. Then I mean that in my opinion, that's like the whole ID idea of digital ID is that you're understanding how something was made, where it was made, who made it, what it's made out of. But then as it goes along in its life cycle, things happen to it. Things should yeah. happen. to it. And yeah. um, it would be really amazing if you could kind of track that in there as well
1: it would be because it has a story like how often do you go to a thrift store and you're like i really wonder who wore this and what their story was and what this you know what what luck this this jacket brought them and so you're almost like these digital ids are able to to provide that story of what happened to that garment in an interesting way yeah
0: i love that idea well maybe we can talk to somebody who does digital id and pitch our idea to them on another (laughs) podcast (laughs) yeah love it Great. So I'm going to move on with my topic, which is I was also talking to people recently, uh, for in a different capacity. I was doing office hours in partnership with the CFDA and talking with designers of all you know all different size businesses about circular economy, about resale and repair and rental, and how they can be thinking about that or trying to answer their questions about that. And one of the themes that came up, I would say. At least three different companies are asking about how to recycle their textiles, and I've had other companies outside of this these office hours um, ask the same question. Where I think these kind of smaller businesses, and when I say smaller, I mean honestly, yeah, like up maybe up to ten million dollars in revenue. I'm not talking about tiny businesses. Like even even those doing you know impressive revenue, yeah. I think they a lot of them do have sustainability built into their ethos and their mission and the founder or the ceo or the coo you know is really interested in how can we take back our clothes how can we make sure our our clothes are not ending up in landfill seems to be like the main concern that i was hearing so yeah i have i have looked into this a bit and i want to learn more and i'm curious if anyone listening has ideas is that like this recycling textile recycling industry is being developed like some of it exists in the way that mm-hmm. it has for decades with textile sorters and uh and you know those big um what do they call material recovery facilities or, or whatever mm-hmm. with places yeah, place yeah. Where all the clothes go and they get sorted and some of them go for resale a lot of them get shipped overseas some of them end up in landfills some of them end up incinerated and so Some of these companies now these i think newer uh and and slightly smaller businesses are trying to understand well i don't want my clothes to end up you know incinerated or in landfill and like how can i be responsible or accountable for that and i um this is this kind of question i guess i'm trying to untangle is i don't think that the infrastructure exists yet for the brands that don't have gigantic volumes to really have a say in, in what happens to their clothes, unless they're willing. So this is where I, this, these are the types of conversations I was having. Like, well, are you, are you, you know, brand A willing to take back your stuff from your customers when they're done with it and hold on to it until you have amassed a certain amount, yeah. uh, that it can then be sent to the right type of textile recycler where you can be confident, you know, if it's cotton, like, can you keep it all? And then, you know, c- find a textile recycler who will make sure, or find the cotton recycler who will, you can be sure that it's being recycled into cotton. But if, you know, as you know, and I think a lot of people know, it's like the, the volume requirements for these industrial processes are gigantic. And so it's, yeah. um, you know, you can also, as a brand, like you could work with a sorting partner, like a, brand or a tersis who's going to take all your stuff in and sort it into different conditions and you know materials and then hold it and like accumulate it with other brand stuff and then get it to the right place so i think that's also a good solution but when you're talking you know when i'm talking to these brands who maybe have a million dollars in revenue or a couple million dollars in revenue it's um it, you know it's hard like creating those yeah. types of partnerships is hard when you're talking about maybe a hundred or two hundred garments a year and, yeah. and so and I'll stop there. What do you think?
1: Absolutely. I mean, I think that it's, it's also hard to for them to validate any or like justify any of that because it costs money like time, the yeah. time to sort it and store it is money. And yeah. until they see the value at the end coming back to them, it's hard to justify that into their, you know, put that into their business model. Like, absolutely. Like, I don't think anyone blames them for that. And so- right. Yeah. I mean, like, I agree. Like, how do we, how do we kind of change this?
0: Well, just so you know, some of the business I was talking to they're like, I know this is going to cost money and I'm willing to spend, I'm willing to spend the money. I can't spend a lot, but I will spend some. I'm just kind of like, wow, I'm really impressed, but go ahead. That is
1: impressive because you, I would imagine that they wouldn't want to, or at least not yet. And also there isn't quite enough, like until some of the real, like this real innovative textile recycling becomes scaled to a point that it can take like large volumes of different types of materials of, you know, some Mm -hmm. of that like chemical recycling. Mm -hmm. Um, It's hard to see what happens next when it's also not entirely transparent within some of these like sorting, you know, some Mm -hmm. of these other like third parties, the Mm -hmm. in-between, you know, they don't quite know what's happening or you don't quite know where
0: all your stuff is going. And so for example, You and I were Googling bra recyclers earlier. and I found, I was like, oh, I found this article and there's a bunch. And then you're like, but are they donating them or are they recycling them? And like the deeper I looked, I was kind of like, oh, well, this, these two are actually donating. That's all they say is that they donate, which, you know, only applies to things in good enough condition. Otherwise, what do you do with all the stuff that in bad enough? Like not in wearable condition. Does that mean you're throwing it out? Like what's happening to it? Uh, versus a like in this case, a bra recycler has to deal with the, you know, 50 or whatever elements that go into making a bra. And like, how do you, I mean, my expectations are fairly low in terms of like true recycling. You know, I understand and and I do not expect that you all 50 elements of that bra will, will actually be recycled to create, you know, a new fiber or a new plastic or whatever. But I hope that they don't end up in a landfill. I hope that at the very least they end up as you know, um, and like that, the metals go to the right place, that the plastics yeah. go to the right place, and that the fabrics go. You know, if they need to be downcycled and they can't be, you know, truly recycled, then fine. Then they become, you know, car insulation for like car seats or um, or padding or things like yeah, that. Like padding yeah. Stuff. yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. <You know, laughs> I mean, um, yeah. Well, I was if, just gonna say. Oh, go ahead.
1: You no, go. go ahead. No, you go. <laughs> okay.
0: The other thing I was going to say, I was thinking about. I wonder what think people are listening, wondering, and I thought it might be helpful to say. You know, for those brands that were asking me, well, what should I do? My my recommendations are, are a few, right? I would say, first of all, I think this is a great case for why digital ID is really important and helpful because if you can put digital ID in your in your product from the beginning, then when it ends up in whatever material recovery facility or you know in the textile sorting chain supply chain that you know we're seeing the, the like scanners auto- automation and scanners becoming more and more uh you know they will they will become more and more what's the word ubiquitous like everywhere oh, and yeah. uh, and then you will be able to scan oh this one has a QR code great and you scan that and you see what it's made of and then it can be properly recycled um yeah. so i do think it, it makes a good case for a digital id I've also said to some of these smaller companies that are making really high quality products, I said, I believe you should take those products back from your customers and you should repair them or, um, you know, like inspect them. Can they be resold? You know, if you if you sold this for $500 the first time around, you know, bring it back and give it a cleaning. If it, if that's all it needs and resell it, or if, you know, it has, um, a missing button or a little rip or something, then repair it and resell it. For the yeah. volumes you're talking about of trying to recycle like 100 of this or 100 of that, if we are talking about a really high quality garment, then I feel like that opportun- the opportunity for that small volume is to actually keep it going in its useful life as a product, as a shirt or a dress or a jacket. Um, and only when it becomes too damaged to be worn should it be recycled.
1: Yeah, I feel like that's my that's my belief, my like sole belief is that textile recycling should be the absolute last resort for garments. Like, if something has any type of like it, it, it could still be used, why wouldn't it just be fixed and have a, a, another life to it and altered to you know with visible mending so that it's cooler if it couldn't be as cool as it was originally. I really don't believe that textile recycling is the solution for everything. I think we need to use that as our last resort for stuff that just has no, you can't repair it. It's just, you know, it's far too damaged or whatever. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. I I absolutely see that as like the last, the last option.
0: I'm in a kind of a middle of that. I feel like there's nuance in terms of how valuable is the thing, you know, like should fast fashion companies have retail programs? Like I'm, I mean, Sure, but you know, if if the if the shirt you know sold for seven dollars in the first place and you're going to try to resell it for three dollars, and oh, by the way, there's like a billion of them, um, I yeah. think that that just becomes a whole other thing where clearly you're, I mean, I don't think we're anywhere near getting to a place where people are, are going to be able to, um, really purchase, you know, like, per, I don't know, oh, sorry, <laughs> That's well, a little I- in there, but I don't think it should be last. Re- Well, I think I'm just saying, I think there's a reality to like, for some things, it should be the last resort. For other things, it may make sense to send them basically basically straight to recycling, in my opinion.
1: Yeah. But I still see, like, I'll buy things that are fast fashion. Like, I buy secondhand fast fashion clothing because I'm looking more at what does it look like and if I like it. So I have plenty of shirts that I've bought secondhand that are fast fashion because I'm more interested in what it looks like. And they're fine, right? Like some of them have lasted a lot of wear and I don't see mm-hmm. any damage to it yet. Mm-hmm, and yeah. But I think you're right that I think we need to back up even further there and look at like our behaviors of why we are just buying so much stuff to begin mm-hmm. with. And like why right. this is even a problem. How do we just how do we address that? And right. like, you're right, though, there is just a ton of fast fashion entering into this waste stream, and it's all the same, right? So there's a lot of that same shirt that's coming through because it was really yeah. cool at one moment, and right. um, I'm happy to buy one of them later on <laughs> for for a dollar. But um, I, there aren't, I guess, enough of me to to be doing that. So you're right. Yeah, there 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 needs to be some type of solution, some type of in between yeah. option in there. Yeah. Right. But um, but I think it we have to figure out how to backtrack before we even get to that point. And I yeah. think that that's pie in the sky, like, i oh, very optimistic that we can, we can solve that overconsumption problem that, you know, Americans have. But, yeah. um, and, you know, I think that also like textile waste doesn't quite have like a real lobbying power the, the way that some other industries do. So, yeah. um, I don't know, it's an uphill battle, but I think that yeah. there's small potential in different approaches that can all add up to something.
0: Big potential in different approaches. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I think that was it. I think that was a, uh, I think you said the wrong word, Laura. Did I? Um, <laughs> large, extra large? <laughs> That. That. Potential. Yeah. Uh, yes. Okay, great. So we will wrap it up. I will say, I hope that, that did not come across at all as like, we do everything, you know, exactly the way we're saying. Um, certainly I can speak for myself. You know, I do not, like I told you, I do not go to my local alterations person, even though they live around, you know, they, their business is around the block for me. So I think I'm saying there is lots of opportunity for me to get better at how I interact with my things. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, just being clear there that I do not have a 100% sustainable closet. Uh, but, you know, we try. We're trying. Yeah. So <laughs> We're trying. We're trying. <laughs> so, on that note, we will wrap it up. I think this has been super fun and I like the surprising conversation topics. And Me too. if you want, let's see what we will do, my little outro here, we're going to. Have a link where you can check out any show notes if you wanted to follow up on any of those uh, brands or websites we mentioned and uh, you can sign up to get this podcast every week if you sign up for the multi-volte newsletter which i believe will also be linked or you can just google Moltevolte volte and it's spelled just like it sounds if you speak <laughs> italian m-o-l-t-e-v-o-l-t-e anyways Great to talk with you, Laura, as always. And um, we basically spent all day together, but we're just putting on this little show for you (laughs) you all. Hope you enjoyed it.
1: Hope you enjoyed. We spend all day every day, but this is our recorded (laughs) portion. So. (laughs) All right. Thanks, everybody. Bye. Take care.